piece of music you're listening to is called Bouncy Gypsy Beats. It's a really crude, wonky, hip-hop beat inspired in part by Gypsy Jazz. You're listening to How I Make Music, a weekly show for podcasters and storytellers to go behind the scenes of how music and sound work. Each week I break down a soundtrack that I've written and share the stories and insights behind how it was made. My name is John Bartman, I'm a music composer and producer from South Africa, and this is How I Make Music. There's a ton to unpack in this song. It's really rich production. It's layered and layered with all sorts of live instruments and electronic sounds. Let's start with the most obvious, which is the guitar strumming, which starts off the song. This is a classic example of la pompe, which is a gypsy jazz style of strumming, one, two, three, four. And uh, the way that gypsies play guitar is by using the strings as a snare drum in between their down strokes. So down, chuck, down, chuck, down, chuck. That's called la pompe, and it's used throughout the song. So that immediately gives the track a little bit of an offbeat, quirky, somewhat perhaps gothic or Romanian sound, definitely exotic and quite fun and bouncy. The lead line in the song, the catchy little hook, is very much inspired by Django Reinhardt, the godfather of gypsy jazz. Give it a listen. That lead part is played on a steel string acoustic guitar, as opposed to nylon string acoustic guitars, which are favoured by the uh, gypsy jazz aficionados. Playing this type of music on a steel string guitar or an electric guitar is viewed as heresy by some, but completing this track and seeing the positive response that it's gotten reinforces my philosophy of not really letting limitations get in the way and not trying too hard to be a purist about your work, rather to finish the work and to ship it on time. This is how you get ahead when you are writing. In a previous episode of this podcast, the one called Secret Agent Rock, I mentioned how the fret buzz on a bass guitar is a giveaway that it is a live recorded sound. Now, here you might hear a fret buzz on the bass guitar. But that certainly isn't a bass guitar, it's a bass patch, it's played through a computer on a keyboard. I bring this up because it's always tempting to take the easy route and to write music which is the most accessible. For example, it might be easier to just play a bass sound on a keyboard than it will be to pick up a bass guitar, tune it and record it live, yet you need the skill to do that. It's far easier just to play something that's where the work has been done for you, but Often you'll find a better reaction from your audience if you use songs and pieces that have a lot of live instrumentation and obviously live instrumentation. And where the instrumentation isn't live, it sounds as live as possible. In this case, I've chosen a bass sound 
with a fret buzz. Let's hear it one more time. It's quite obviously a quote-unquote artificial sound, but at the same time it's still more pleasing than something which just blends into the background. Each part of the music has to really bring personality to the composition. The beat in the song is one of the most hand-cranked and quirky elements. Let's give one sequence a listen. It's amateur, it's rough, it's crude. There's something charming about the fact that it doesn't sound automated in any way. It was a while ago that I made it, but I remember that I played it using you know, my hands on the keyboard to trigger the different samples. And I generally don't quantize everything perfectly, meaning that it doesn't stick exactly to the beat. There are, there's a bit of groove involved, there's a bit of humanity involved, um, which I really think adds to the charm. One of the biggest mistakes that music editors make when they're selecting music is well, firstly, to use music where there shouldn't be any. But after that, it's to use music that sounds like everything else. I think a lot of opportunities for really good work are missed out by this type of imitation. And every so often I try to write something that sounds like nothing else. My bandmates Zim and James helped out by adding some clarinet and trumpet to the B section of the song. I just love the way you can hear the keys of the instruments being played. It's a reminder that we've got two actual human beings in the room playing these parts and it certainly adds to the life of the song. So wherever possible, use live instrumentation. Add to that section a lovely multi-tracked string ensemble recorded on the violin by yours truly and drenched in reverb to hide all the mistakes. And here for the last time are all those three parts together, the trumpet, the clarinet and the violin multi-track ensemble. It provides a really lush and um, smooth sounding middle section for the song. This track has got one foot in the hip-hop genre, so I ended up closing off sections of sequences, like 16-bar sequences, with a little bit of vinyl scratching. Vinyl scratching like this often has a comedic effect. We've all seen that scene in a movie where the character is dreaming of something really nice and then gets snapped back to reality by this sound. 
including that palette of sounds in the song adds to the quirkiness of the uh, the unusual combination of scratch DJing and gypsy jazz. This was done deliberately to create a really unique sounding piece, which I feel is one of the reasons it's done so well. The whole track also contains a layer of vinyl static over the top. This gives the track a really old-fashioned, dated feel. I've also included a vocal sample, which was taken from a vinyl. I've used a number of these short samples from a uh, well-known entertainment company that won't be named, and hopefully I don't get a takedown because of that short piece I used. Soundtrack music, generally the rule is no vocals whatsoever, unless we're talking about perhaps a choir, but spoken word is an absolute no-no for the reason that it distracts the listener from the dialogue that's happening on screen or in the in the storytelling. So if vocals are going to be used at all, especially spoken vocals, they have to resemble an instrument more than a voice in order to prevent distraction. Whether you're a composer or a music editor or someone who's just looking for some music in the background, the rule one of soundtracks is never let the music and the sound design get in the way of the storytelling. There's a clear hierarchy and the music is there to underpin whatever action is happening. Many mistakes in editing can be attributed to the, an oversight of this rule, so make sure you always use music that is either really soft or really, really suitable and doesn't get in the way of the action. This track also contains a sampled male choir, which is a really unnatural sounding male choir. Let's give it a listen. I thought that using this almost stoic Russian male choir would be a good comedic element to, to bring gravity, a laughable gravity to the track, which is otherwise rather ridiculous. I like this idea of juxtaposing a serious minor key choir of, of singing men along with the frivolity, the silliness of the um, gypsy jazz genre, it, it brings out the opposite ends of an extreme and really kind of cleaves your listening mind down the middle. There is a moment in the song where the electronics completely take over and it's called a downsweep. It's used during the rhythmic break in the song. I like the way it pans all the way from your one ear to your other and back and ends with a little This is called an LFO, low frequency oscillator. It's one of the easiest sounds to make and it's definitely one of the most electronic sounds out there. So we've got this really strange melting pot right now of live orchestral instrumentation, fake sounding male choirs, hip hop scratches and crude electronics. 
this combination for some reason seems to hold together and it's as, as much of a surprise to me as it is to anyone listening to it and thinking what a weird song. What I learned through this song and its subsequent popularity is that unique music stands out over time. One of the top categories in music libraries, stock music libraries like Audio Blocks and Pond5, is one called Quirky. Media creators are looking for something unique, something that stands out, something that uh, has personality and something that has a voice of its own. So when you are writing or selecting music for your show, I always encourage you to do that thing which you haven't heard a million times over. That's a good starting point. We'll listen to the full track in just a moment, but before we do that, thank you for listening to How I Make Music, a weekly show in which I break down an original soundtrack so that podcasters and media creators and storytellers can have some insight into how music is made. If you'd like to support my work, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're also able to download this track, Bouncy Gypsy Beats, from my website, johnbartman.com, J-O-H-N-B-A-R-T-M-A-N-N.com. Go to the music page to search my original royalty-free library by keyword, genre, title, mood, or instrument. If you'd like to download the individual stems, so if you just want the bass line or just the drums or just the instruments, you can grab those. If you can't find something you're looking for, get in touch with me. I love writing music for people and for productions. As a side note, this track was originally released under the name We Senor by my band Pravda, and I'll link that in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Now here's Bouncy Gypsy Beats, originally We Senor. It's a wonky, offbeat, hip-hop, gypsy, jazz crossover track in its entirety. Catch you next week.